Say good morning to everyone. It's good to be in church today. Such a beautiful day outside and uh, good to just uh, um, to be in uh, uh, to be in Jesus Christ, our Lord, uh, being in his presence, uh, being filled with the gift of salvation and the blessed hope of uh, uh, being with him in, in the uh, paradise of God someday. So uh, what a beautiful time. Uh, even though around us is a lot of uncertainty, but what a beautiful time uh, to belong to Christ. Can I get an amen on that? You, you, feel, you feel good to belong to the Lord. And you don't have to worry about what happens on Tuesday, and you don't have to worry about um, as the cities prepare with the National Guard and who knows what's going to happen. You have peace in your heart because we have Christ um, in the, as the center of our lives. And so how beautiful. We're going to get started uh, with an opening prayer, and then um, we're continuing in our series of the R's of Righteousness, um, and um, so we'll have an opening prayer. I'm going to ask Brother Brian to open us in prayer, and then we're going to go into a little recap, and then Brother AJ is going to lead us off with the second R, uh, which I'm going to let him tell you what that is when he gets up. So come on up, Brother Brian. It's all right. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we bow our heads before you today, and we are so thankful, Lord, for this privilege to be in thy house once again. We thank you for this day that you have set aside, that we might hear thy word preached unto us, and that we might reminisce, Lord, on the good things even that you have done for our soul. We thank you so much, Father, for your son, Jesus Christ, that came into the world, that freely gave his life, Father, for all the sins, Lord, that we commit in this life. And for your redemption power, Lord, for the hope of salvation, and for this life, Lord, that you have blessed us with, and this abundant life, and the glory, Lord, that we feel in serving you, Lord, and keeping your commandments and doing thy will. And I pray, O oh Father, that you might bless us today as our brothers bring forth the message, even that you would inspire them, that their words might fill our soul. And I pray, Lord, for our congregation, whether they be listening virtually or here today, that you would uplift them, Lord, and strengthen them. And even though, Father, we're going through a difficult time right now, we know, Lord, that you are so merciful unto your people. And you are faithful, Father, and your mercies are new every day. And, O oh Lord, we see your hand of mercy move among thy people. So I pray, O oh Father, that you would bless our congregation, that you would unify us and keep us one, Lord, in thee. Though, Lord, that collectively together that we might serve you, keep your commandments, and we might do thy will. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a quick uh, call out before I get into uh, the review. I just want to say um, we do our services in uh, person, uh, alternating um, our membership here every other week. Uh, group A and Group B, or it's a color, and I never remember the colors. Um, and then we also are broadcasting live right now. That's why I always have butterflies when I come to church anymore, because we're live. And uh, we have a big, big viewing audience, virtual. But I do want to call out, we're not a capacity. We've got a lot of seats here. And so those of you that uh, uh, have a desire to come, I don't care what group you're on, and if you're local here, uh, make an effort to come. We're having a wonderful, wonderful time in person. Um, it's awesome at home, 
but it's an amazing experience being live and being back together again. So I just wanted to call that out. Last week, um, we felt very directed to um, uh, uh, speak on a topic that we had spoken about a, long, a while ago, and this is called the R's of Righteousness. And, and really what it is is it's step by step of um, growing in righteousness. You know, a lot of times we make mistakes and, and words have meaning. We don't really, I think, think things through when we say things. But we say you got to grow in righteousness. Well, I called it out last week. That's impossible. You personally cannot be righteous. Only Jesus is righteous. And we need to grow in his righteousness by growing in Christ, drawing closer to him. Um, really, only the work that we have to do as Christians, as saints of God, right, is believe, surrender, obedience. Those are the things that the Lord's looking for. Look and live. We, we heard that beautiful message a while ago. And I have to say, our beautiful apostles felt directed with the same message. And uh, I, I believe it's so uh, timely. And so, you know, a couple things that I just want to call out is that righteousness belongs to Jesus. This is always going to be the beginning when we start these, these R's. Okay, so this is our review. Um, one thing that I called out is 2 Corinthians in the 5th chapter, and, and I hope you read this, but I, I basically quoted it by memory last week. Okay? But Jesus knew no sin, but he became sin, right? In exchange, our sin, he gave us his righteousness. And the scripture says that we might become the righteousness of God in him, Jesus, right? Not in me, in Jesus. I hope you understand that today. If you went away last week thinking, oh my, I've got a lot of work to do. I've got a lot, a lot of work to do. The only work you have to do is surrender to the Holy Spirit. God does the work in you. Do you understand that today? You could work and work all you want, but it's not going to please the Lord unless you surrender to Jesus. So that's some of the keys of last week. Um, we, we called out the first R, and, and the first R is about reflect. That's what it's about. Okay? And I likened that last week to a mirror. In biblical times, they called it a looking glass. Um, but, but it was a reflection glass. And, and remember what I said is the mirror works simply by the light that it reflects. That's how, that's how a mirror works. You put in a mirror in a dark room, pitch black, you can't see anything. And so, literally, your spiritual mirror, see if anyone remembers what I called out, what is your spiritual mirror? I'll give you a quick hint. It's two books. Word of God. Remember I called out the Bible and Book of Mormon. It's true. The Word of God is your spiritual mirror. Along with the Holy Spirit, because sometimes, you know, we need the Holy Spirit to bring to life what God's word teaches us. But it, if you're looking in the mirror every day, and I think we do, we look many times a day, right? Then we're going we're gonna to understand that um, the word of God will show us the good. I don't want to leave that out, by the way. It'll show us the good. Many times I look in the mirror, I'm pleased. Then there's times I'm not pleased. Okay? It'll show us the bad. So... Examining our actions and attitudes in every situation. If you look in the spiritual mirror, it's going to be right in front of you. Hey, where am I, where am I weak? 
Where am I deficient? The Holy Spirit will call it out, and we allow the Holy Spirit to show us any offensive way to the Lord. You allow that, and if you allow that by being humble and meek and submissive, not full of pride, as Alma 5 calls out, very important, you're going to see the flaws, you're going to see how we need to surrender to the Lord, and the Lord will clean up those flaws, not you. The Lord will, okay? Lastly, I think this is more important than anything, is that we must know the true condition of our heart. Everybody has weaknesses. What you're weak in, I'm strong. And there are also weaknesses that are visible and weaknesses that are invisible. Just because they're invisible, those are the, those are the most dangerous kind, brothers and sisters and friends this morning. The most Invisible weaknesses are the ones we think God can't see either, but he can. And so knowing the true condition of our heart and allowing the Holy Spirit to truly lift us out of this sin condition we all have, right? And being transparent and being honest with the Lord, all will our relationship grow. So I'm going to turn it over to Brother AJ, who's going to go to the next R. I hope you enjoy it. It's a wonderful series, and we're just going to just follow the, the Lord's spirit today as we learn from God's word. May God bless you. Well, good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to see our faces here. Um, it's wonderful to have everyone at home uh, joining us virtually. And as we started out on this journey I'm going to call it, these R's of righteousness. Brother Tim actually hit it when we went into communion. So there, our group here missed it last week. But Brother Tim quoted a verse. And what is the point? Why do we get up here on Sunday morning and we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? And Brother Tim so beautifully pointed out right before we went into communion, he read in 2 Nephi, where Adam fell that men might be and men are that they might have joy. Our desire as ministers of the Church of Jesus Christ is that you might have joy in your life. And that joy comes through Jesus Christ today. And that joy is a journey for all of us. Because as Brother Pete started in last week on this journey of the R's of righteousness, I went home and I looked in that mirror. And I look at the kid that I was when I joined the gospel of Jesus Christ and I gave my life to him. And I look at the person that I've been through all these, all these years and it's been a journey. And our R today is the word repent. So our next R in the series. And the first bullet point it talks about repenting of our sins and our mistakes is part of how we receive God's blessings. If we want joy again in our lives, we have to understand and repent of our sins. Now, going back to that kid who was 17 years old, standing with Brother David Jordan next to the Salt River, I was asked two questions. And I was asked if I was going to serve the Lord for the rest of my life. Yeah, of course. And the other question was, do you repent of your sins? Now, at 17 years old, 
you know, of course, all of us, we think that we've had the entire world figured out at that age. And I stood there and said, of course, yeah, I repent of my sins. But did I really understand what that word meant in my life right then and there? And to be perfectly honest with you, as I've grown over these last 20 plus years, almost 20 years, I didn't understand it then. And I understand so much more now. And I probably still don't get the full picture at this stage in my life. But I look, I look forward to this journey where God's going to show me even more. So, did I fully acknowledge at 17 years old that I had sin in my life? Yes. I had made mistakes. I had lived a life contrary to what the Bible and Book of Mormon teaches. And as David points out in Psalms, the 32nd chapter, the 5th verse, it says, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. And it's curious, because... The Old Testament, the New Testament, the Book of Mormon uses this word repent, and we're going to dig into it a little more. And we get these glimpses along the way of what this word truly means. And this is part of my journey that I want to take you through today. So did I acknowledge sin? Definitely. Had I made mistakes? Of course. Did I feel sorry for them? Here's another R word for you. I had remorse of the mistakes. I felt bad. I felt guilty for those mistakes. Does repentance end there? We're going to find out. True repentance goes a lot deeper than just feeling bad. I made that mistake. I hurt that person. I shouldn't have gone there. I felt bad about that. But does God want us to end our spiritual walk right there with that statement. So as we go back into the Old Testament, it's interesting, and you look at this word repent, where it comes from. So I, it's over and over again. I'm going to give you one example. Ezekiel, the 14th chapter, the 6th verse. And this is God talking to the prophet, and he says, Therefore, say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, Repent. And turn yourself from idols, and turn away your faces from all your abominations. Did he say, Israel, I want you to feel bad for the mistakes that you made? You know, we talked about that brazen serpent. I want you to feel bad for worshiping that bronze image. No. And they use a word in Hebrew called shuv. And this is the Old Testament translation. And it literally translates to turn around. 180 degrees. So God speaking to Israel, speaking to his people, whatever you are doing, stop, acknowledge it, and turn around. 180 degrees. Is that not us? That was me as a 17-year-old boy standing at the water 
acknowledging my sin, but God didn't want me just to acknowledge it. He doesn't want you just to acknowledge that you've made mistakes today. He wants you to turn and run from it as fast as you can. If you want to find joy in Jesus Christ, we can't be caught in the same sin over and over and over again. He wants us to turn and run from it. And that's part of our journey. Because if we can't look at that man or woman in the mirror today, and we can't acknowledge our sin, just as Pete just said, if it's invisible to us, how are you going to run from it? How are you going to get away from it today? So you see this... These R's all flow together, and they're so intertwined today that we have to stop and realize and reflect on our past, on our mistakes. And once we've identified them, we start to run away from them. But this is the challenge, because you know, at 17 years old, I didn't stop making mistakes, and I continued to make mistakes from there, and I guarantee you I'll make even more from this day on. But our goal is to reflect and stop and start to evaluate these things in our lives. Is that everything just running from sin today? Is that true repentance? That we saw it, we acknowledged it, and then we ran? And the answer is no. And in the other um, verses here, Psalms, the 51st chapter, we'll start in the first verse. So this entire psalm, if you have time to read it at home, becomes so important. So this is David after he's committed adultery with Bathsheba. So that's where we're at. So this is the inward struggle that King David had after being caught in sin. And this was his reply to the Lord. He says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness." According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly of mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. We have to be able to see it today. If we want joy in Jesus Christ, if we want to be able to change our lives, we have to be able to see our mistakes It's interesting, he goes on the fourth verse, says, Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Yeah. David sinned with the woman, and here he's, his heart broke because he sinned against God. Think about that today. Think about the offenses that we have, that we may have you know, rubbed someone the wrong way, we offended somebody. David's saying, yeah, I did that, but when I did that, I sinned against God. I hurt my relationship with him. Do we see it as that today? Because I know oftentimes I don't. I see it at times, well, maybe I'm at odds with Brother Pete, and I'm going to leave it at that. But what David's saying here is it goes even bigger than that. Because if I can't function and have this loving relationship with my brother... I cannot have a loving relationship with Jesus Christ today. So David's acknowledging this for all of us. 
And we'll jump forward to the ninth verse. Because David starts to dig in this a little further. And this is, you know, when I read these scriptures, this word repent, I knew I wasn't getting to everything. It says, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. So it's curious. So David's hitting at something. This, the right spirit within me. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Uphold in me that spirit. So he's hammering this home. He understands that there's something inside of him that is contrary to that David who just committed this sin. You see, because the spirit of David, of the man, made all of those mistakes. And he's saying, I want this spirit inside of me because that's going to keep me from any more of these sins that I've committed. You see, David acknowledged this. That there was something more in his life that was his compass, that guided him, that led him, that allowed him to run from sin. So we jump forward into the New Testament. Jesus Christ has 12 disciples. He gives them power and authority to go out and preach the gospel. And it says in Mark, the 6th chapter, the 12th verse, and they went out and preached that men should repent. And you see, we switch languages from Hebrew to Greek when we read these things, and we dig into the Greek. The word is different. And the word is not repent in the Greek scriptures. The word in Greek is metanoia. And this is where it gets really interesting, because this is the crux of our repentance. This is the true meaning of this word, I believe, today. And we know kind of what this word means. Metanoia, we have words like this. Paranoia, out of your mind, you're paranoid. So noia is mind. Para is, you're out of it, you're around it. Meta is after. So it's a change of mind is the Greek translation of this word. And to the apostles in that day, you know, think about it, preaching in Israel, preaching to the Jewish people, this was something completely out of there. That all of a sudden your faith did not come from the temple, that all of a sudden this garment was going to be rent and you were going to have an individual relationship with Jesus Christ. This is out there for what they're preaching. But it has to be a complete change in our minds and in our hearts today. Because if we acknowledge our sin and we feel guilty and we have remorse for our sin, but if we don't change our ways, it means nothing. And that's our challenge today. That this change that comes about us 
is more than just reflection. It's more than just feeling guilty and remorseful. It's more than just running, but it's allowing Jesus Christ to come in our minds and in our hearts and being completely different. And Paul writes about this. He says, let this mind be in you in Philippians. He says, you must have the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians. So he points out that in order to have that, we need to have this gift of the Holy Spirit that David wrote about all the way back in Psalms. That if we have this gift inside of us, it starts to guide our lives. And I've hammered on this in previous sermons where we have one foot in and we have one foot out. And we have the mind of AJ on one side and we have the mind of Christ on the other. And oftentimes, I think this is where we struggle, say more than oftentimes, as Christians, where we have what works best for AJ, what works best for me, and what in my mind seems to be the best outcome in my life, but not the outcome that Jesus Christ wants for me. Not the path that he wants for me. And as Brother Pete pointed out last week, that we put up these you know, doors and we lock certain areas of our lives. And we say, Lord, you cannot come in here. True joy in Jesus Christ is opening all of those to him. Allowing him in to whatever sin, whatever struggle you have. It's an acknowledgement that we all have a sin problem. We're all flesh and blood. We all make mistakes. If you're sitting there and you go, well, I don't really have a sin problem. Well, we'll talk about pride later. But we need to go back and look in that mirror and say, well, maybe there is something there. Maybe there's something I'm missing. Because if we're truly sitting here or sitting at home going, well, there's really no sin in my life. I'm doing pretty good. I'm going to come over later so I can see that chariot come down and take you up like the prophet Elijah. Because we all make mistakes. We all fall short. We all are sinful in this flesh. And without Jesus Christ making that conversion, making the change in us, we're missing the mark. And that's where we see this sort of um, progression in the scriptures. This acknowledgement that David had. Yes, I made mistakes. I've confessed many of those mistakes to you in the past. Is that the same person I am now? No. Do I make mistakes today? Yes. My hope is that I'm not struggling with the same mistakes six months from now and a year from now. I want to be a new man, a new creature along this journey. So we acknowledge them. We run from them. And we allow Jesus Christ within us to start to change us. And you can't have both. We have the mind of AJ and we have the mind of Christ. What does James say? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You want to be on shaky ground today with the Lord. It's when you're trying to have both when it's you have AJ in church, but AJ on Monday morning is different from the AJ that you know. Do you do that? Is the way that you interact with the brothers and sisters at church different from the way you interact with your friends? 
Would the people you know be surprised that you went to church? If all of a sudden you started talking about your conversion, would you get, I didn't know you believed in God. The scripture is very clear that they know us by the spirit that we carry as Christians. So when we've undergone this change, people sense that and they see that. And we testify of his goodness over and over and over again. But do we do that just here? Or everywhere? Do we start solving for ourselves the minute we walk out of church? That, I think, is that definition of a double-minded man. James points out... We're not getting everything if you think that way. I didn't know that at 17 years old. I had aspirations in my life, and I had this picture of how I knew God, I knew how I wanted it, but not necessarily how God wanted my wife, my life. And I think about, you know, even just simply, you know, well, I'm gonna get married at this time. And what did God do? He brought someone into my life years ahead of that, my timeline. And us as a couple said, well, we're going to have kids when this happens. And what did God do? He brought his kids on his timeline. So we do this. We struggle with this back and forth. But until we have this complete conversion of understanding that our lives, everything as we know it, belongs to God. And this is that change of mind, that change of heart that we have to understand. We give everything to God. We've talked about that in our tithing seminars and our tithing sermons where it's not about that 10%. It's understanding that all of that, your entire salary belongs to God. Your house, your family, it's all God's. It was a gift to you. This is the change of heart that he wants you to understand, that it's not all about me anymore. It's when you are converted and when you truly repent that you have given it all to him. And you recognize that he gave it all to you. That's our challenge today. So how do we have joy? We recognize the sin problem, these mistakes that we have. Does that sorrow overcome us where we can't move on? And up on the board on our PowerPoint in Mosiah, the 26th chapter, the 29th verse. It says, Therefore I say unto you, Go, and whosoever transgresseth against me, him shall you judge according to the sins which he hath committed. And if he confess his sins before thee and me, and repenteth in the sincerity of his heart, him shall ye forgive. And I will forgive him also. Yea, and off as my people repent, I will forgive them in their trespasses against me. See, we're all double-minded at times. We've all been riddled with our sin problem. Our garments have been stained. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, they've been white. 
through the blood of Jesus Christ, he has forgiven you. Through him, this change is possible. And he promises us, as often as you fall, he is there. As often as you make mistakes and you ask him for forgiveness, he is there and he will forgive you. What a beautiful, loving father that is. Think of it, if you owned a business and you had an employee that made mistake after mistake after mistake every day, here we go, Mr. Dave made the same mistake as he did yesterday. Would that employee still be working for your business? But it's not like that with the Lord. Mistake after mistake after mistake, I go before him. I say, Lord, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have gone there. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have treated that person that way. And he loves me again. And he forgives me. That is the beauty of this journey that we're on. That is the beauty of this righteousness that he calls us to have in our lives. That as we stop and we reflect upon these things, and we look at that man or woman in the mirror, we start to see the good and the bad in us, but as we focus in on these sins, we can understand that we acknowledge them, that we could run from them. But more importantly, we let Jesus Christ into our lives and completely change us. That we wouldn't want to desire that sin anymore. That running becomes very easy. You know, there's an old, old brother, and some of you may have remember him. He lived down in Tucson, uh, where I grew up. And he had a horrible habit of smoking. And even between church, they'd finish Sunday school, he'd sneak out the back, and he'd walk around the little block around the church, and he'd smoke between Sunday school and church and come back in for the church service. And he would testify of this. And he had, this was a problem for this man. He knew it was sinful. And he took it to the Lord in prayer. And he said, Lord, I want you to take this from me. I struggle with it every day. And I know it's wrong, but I want to be a good example to my friends and to my brothers and sisters at church. He said, take it from me. The next morning, he woke up, and as his routine, he pulled out the pack of cigarettes, and the cigarette went up to his mouth, and he threw up. See, the Lord completely changed him. If he, would, if he was out in public and he smelled it, he would become nauseous and sick. God took his desire away, and that's what he can do for each of us. You see, we all struggle with different sins. What I struggle with may not be what Brother Brian struggles with or what, what you struggle with at home. But if we allow Jesus Christ into our lives, if we allow him to change us, he will give us that mind. He will give us that spirit as David longed for. Let the spirit be in me so I can, don't let it leave, so that we can identify these sins, run from them and change. It's my prayer 
that as we go along this journey, that we're all journeying together. That as we think about righteousness, think about the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Think about the person that you used to be and where he's brought you to today. But more importantly, have joy knowing that he's taken you somewhere else today. May God bless you. Was that beautiful? Oh, God bless you, Brother AJ. I, I was so blessed in listening to uh, some of the comments. I, I, I just want to call this out as we wrap up. The Lord spake a parable, a story, into certain men which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. And the Lord starts the story. By the way, this is found in Luke, the 18th chapter, 10th verse. Two men went up into the temple to pray, and one was a Pharisee, a righteous man perceived by the Hebrews, the Jewish community, and other, a publican, a sinner. Which, as A.J. so beautifully said, we all are sinners. We're all publicans, brothers and sisters. Last week I said we all have leprosy. The Pharisee stood and prayed, and thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even as this publican. I'm thankful that I'm of the pedigree of the church of Jesus Christ, because I come to church, I hear the word of God, and that makes me righteous. Does it? I fast twice a week, and I give tithes at all I possess. And then the publican, standing afar off, he didn't even feel worthy to go into the temple where it was a holy place, and would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know, Sister Nancy is with us today. And her father, when he heard the gospel preached, brothers and sisters, he felt so convicted as a sinner. He didn't even know what to do, what the next step was. He didn't understand nothing. Broken English, walked up to the front, right to the communion table, and knelt down and said, God, forgive me, a sinner. Nancy, isn't that true? So you know what the Lord said about Brother Joe and about this publican. So I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. Justified in Christ, brothers and sisters. Justified by Calvary. Justified by the sacrifice of the Lord. That he received it in humility. Rather than the other. For every one that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbled himself shall be exalted as Jesus was on the cross of Calvary. He humbled himself and fulfilled all righteousness that A.J. said last week by being obedient to the Lord God. Therefore he was exalted, highly exalted, that every knee should bow, every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord.
I'm going to leave you with this last scripture today. I get so blessed. You know, you wonder, well, where are we going with all this, Brother Pete? What about, where are we going? Where are we going? Where, where's our church going with all this? Our church here in Mesa, our, our region, what, what, you know. And while there are many things that we need to teach and to preach, we want to be well-rounded. We want to understand. We want to have knowledge. The mysteries of God are beautiful that we want to have unfolded unto us. But in Mosiah, the 25th chapter, Alma was the high priest, and they wanted to make him king. They, they, oh, they were so stirred with Alma. But you know, Alma had a job to do. He had to go out and preach the gospel like all of us have. And he was focused. So all these people in Zarahemla, the Nephites, even some of the Lamanites, they gathered. And there was so numerous the number. And Alma began to preach to them. They were assembled in, in large bodies. And by the way, King Mosiah was like, you're free to do this. Even ask permission. What, what a humble man. There was such a big body of people that Alma separated them into seven churches, the scripture says. Isn't that amazing? You see the type, the seven churches in Asia as well. Seven's a perfect number. Look how God gives us a message and even that. And the scripture says that Alma, after he preached to them in the 18th verses, that they went into the water and he baptized, even after the manner that, that his father did in the waters of Mormon, he baptized. And in the verse 19, it says, Mosiah granted unto Alma that he might establish churches throughout all the land of Zarahemla. And gave him power to ordain priests and teachers over every church. And so I, I, wanna, I want you to understand that this was, this was massive growth very quickly. And so let's go to the 21st verse and says, and now they did dissemble themselves, they did assemble themselves together in different bodies, but being called churches. And every church having their priests and their teachers and every priest preaching the word according as it was delivered by him to him by the mouth of Alma, which I have to say was given to him by God. Not his own message. And thus, notwithstanding there being many churches, they were all one church. Yea, even the church of God. For there was nothing preached in all the churches except it were repentance and faith in God. Now this Elma, I have to say, he didn't lack sermon topics. Can I get an amen on that? This is the same Elma that understood many wonderful truths that the Holy Spirit revealed to him. That I believe he taught his people many wonderful things that some are recorded. He knew about the resurrection at the time of Christ. He knew about the next resurrection. He knew about the state of the soul. He explained to them the paradise of God. This man didn't lack sermon topics. But what I will say to you is that this man gave him one unified message 
in the church, and that was to have repentance and faith in God. Isn't that beautiful, brothers and sisters? And so, as we struggle sometimes, and, and A.J. said it, we struggle for joy, A.J., where we find, where, look at this crazy world we live in today, that we might find joy. I said it earlier this morning. We struggle for that. How many of you, it, it, I have to say, they did a poll. I don't know where they get these polls, by the way. They say they have a poll. They did a poll. Okay. I hope they, they don't ever call me. I don't know. But they did a poll. This one I happen to really believe. That 75% of all people they surveyed have some sort of stress or anxiety over this coming week with the election. Oh, my, oh, my. So, brothers and sisters, as we seek this joy, and we want peace in our lives, having faith in the Lord, and when the Lord so gently shows us that we have sinned, May we be like the publican that stands afar off. May we be like Alma who told the church, preach this spirit. Preach this. Reflect on our sin and repent that we might have God give us the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. As we see these things unfolding in our day and time, I can't tell you how pleased the Lord is if we're a people that as oft as we come, as oft, AJ. The Lord's going to forgive us. I don't know about you, brothers and sisters. It's how I operate. I, I, I truly believe that in my life, I don't, I don't, I'm not the type of a person that likes to have aught with anybody for a long period of time. I, I can't rest. Number one is because I do believe I've offended God if that happens. But more importantly, if we have love in our heart, the love of Jesus, how could we rest? How could we sit still when there's a difference between us and, and our brother or sister in Christ Jesus, our family, our loved ones? We, we can't. We have to be people that would bring peace, not division. And so repenting is so important. And the last thing I want to say is how wonderfully Brother A.J., if I have a desire to turn about, the scripture calls that a godly desire. To repent is a godly desire that comes from the Holy Spirit in the first place. Now, what are you going to do with that godly desire when it comes in your life? Brothers and sisters, hear these words. They're so sober and sobering. Are we going to yield quickly and have peace and repent and allow God to take the affliction of sin that's in our life and heal us. And you know, and as often as we get sick from this sin and are infected by it, they're saying now that COVID, you know, the antibodies only last a couple months. You know what? God's able to heal. He's got antibodies for sin over and over again that will wipe them clean. All we have to do is just yield to him and go to him. Say, Lord, take this from me. So blessed to hear that about A.J. calling out that man that had that smoking problem. I don't care what your problem is, my problem. So may God bless you, brothers and sisters.
I hope you're enjoying the series. We'll hear from many of our brothers in the ministry on this. We'll, we study, we, we, we give our little take on it, you know, but, but the word of God is before us. It's before us. You know, you want the church to grow in number? You want the church to be filled in all these seats after COVID and we're allowed to be together and not social distance. We gotta be united in one message. We have to teach people that they need to have faith in Jesus. They need to reflect on their lives. They need to repent from their sins. They need to receive the righteousness of God. And if that is our message, united, which I hear preached from this rostrum every week, we're going to see the pews filled up, brothers and sisters. That, that's a given. To Israel, to the seed of Joseph, to Gentiles, to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. Every one of them have to come through Jesus to receive the gift of salvation. And that should be our theme and our message, which it is in the church of Jesus Christ. May God bless you. Is my humble prayer to all those that are uh, visiting with us today, our, our membership that's home, and just want you to know we love you. And we miss you. We'll pray for your needs. Um, and we'll continue to... Wait this pandemic out until the time is uh, given unto us where we can have a great reunion in the Lord. Until then, we'll be patient, right? God's a big God. And so we're going to sign off for now. We're going to close in prayer. I'm going to ask Brother Tim to come up and close us in prayer. Yeah, I, I would have to concur with Brother Pete. We look forward to when we can all meet again. Um, wonderful message today and I just thank God you know just uh, having been a part of the gospel and, and getting to know the Lord it is a journey and it truly is a, a joyous uh, place that the Lord wants to take us and that he can take us and we would pray that all of you have that opportunity someday let's let's uh, bow our heads dear righteous and dear Heavenly Father we thank you for the message that's been delivered and we pray that all that have heard it Lord might take it to heart might understand the truth, might even uh, dig into the scriptures to, um, to see for themselves, Lord, that, that, uh, they, that they might have that reflection as they look into your word and, and understand at a, at a higher level uh, what you, how much you love them and what you have in store for all of us, Lord. Bless us as we transition now into our uh, prayer service and, and whatever else you would see fit to follow today. And bless those that, that are, have to sign off now, we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.